Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Verse number five, having predestined us unto the adoption, everybody say the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace. Now I just want to jump down for time's sake. Amen. And let's go down to verse 11 in whom also, now we're, all this whom and, and the who and the whom and all that, that's talking about Jesus, right? So we're clear on that. We have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be uh, to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you you also trusted, that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. We're going to continue on talking about uh, the will of God. I, I felt so good. I had somebody, a pastor, come to me last night and said, I just want you to know, I don't comment on these things, but I have enjoyed your knowing the will of God series. And I said, well, and then the person didn't dawn on me because we don't live stream our midweek publicly. And uh, I guess they've been on the app and they've been listening to it and I mean that made me feel so I got to be really careful what I say amen because it's not I forget that it goes up on the uh, podcast but I hope that you're getting something out of this series I told that pastor I said never before has so much come off of two post-it notes in my whole life amen but we're going to continue on in this let's pray together Jesus thank you for your word thank you for the strength that we have in your word thank you Lord because you have caused us you have caused us to walk in favor with you. You've caused us to walk in divine fellowship with you. Would you open our understanding tonight? Let your blessed spirit touch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. In the legal term, God is. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to do a quiz. <clears throat> All right, you ready? I taught. I. I I taught my last class of the semester just the other day, and I had been grading finals. I've been doing finals, and I've said before, now I know uh, why professors um, sucker in GA students, amen, <laughs> to do all the work for them, amen. And so I've been doing these uh, uh, finals, so I'm in a little bit of a taking a test mode. Amen. There are, three, there are three main legal terms that we've been dealing with in this series. There's a testator, there's a testament, and there's a beneficiary. Amen. God is the 
test there. Everybody else failed, but he got it out first. Amen. I'm just kidding. The word of God is the, and we are the beneficiaries. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. You all pass with flying colors. You can pass, go, you can collect $200. Amen. Uh, God is the testator. His word is the testament that is the will of the testator. And we are the beneficiaries who are entitled not by any work that we have done, but we are entitled by the grace of God to every benefit that has been placed in God's word or, it, it, could I say it like this, in God's will, in God's testament. This uh, Last night we got to the hotel and uh, we get in and I'm putting my, my, my suit and shirt in the closet and I'm always looking around for the Gideon's Bible. I don't know if anybody else looks for them. I look for them. It's a comfort to me to know the Bible somewhere. You know, I'm, I've been in hotel rooms and there was white powder residue on the Gideon, Gideon's Bible. And um, somebody had been in there snorting up off the Bible. Uh, but it's a comfort to know that the Word of God is at least, you know, in, in the hotels. And I couldn't find one. But when I hung up my suit and my wife's clothes, I saw a blue uh, glossy book. And I pulled it down, and um, I was a little ticked off, I'm going to be honest with you, because it was, the, it was the Book of Mormon, amen, the Book of Demons, amen, the Book of Science. One of these days, uh, Bishop uh, Wright, Chester Wright has asked me, and one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buckle down, I'm going to do it, and we're going to have, we, we've got such wonderful people on our ministry staff, but we're going to have so many, we can sit in a room. And I can just talk about it. They can take notes and put it in book form. And everybody think I wrote it, but they really wrote it. But he's been after me to write a, a book on the study of the Book of Mormon because I have studied the Book of Mormon. And uh, one thing i got to say is you have to suspend all logic to believe any of it. Like it's, like it's the latest kid on the religion block, right? And uh, then you got... Uh, the Church of Demon uh, Scientology, and they're basically um, two branches of the same science fiction crowd. Uh, but the Book of Mormon was on that shelf, and it kind of it kind of ticked me off because the Bible needs to be in there, right? Not, not, not this, and, and uh, I don't know how many ex-Mormons we have in here. I know we have ex-Mormons on both campuses, uh, but sometimes I, I forget who is who. And when I teach on Mormonism, uh, I'm telling you, the, the ex-Mormons in our churches love it because they try to hide all this stuff in Mormonism. There's a point where I'm saying where I'm going with this. And uh, I do want to do, I, I have seriously thought about doing an expose on Mormonism, doing it for about six weeks and opening it up to the public. If you want to hear what Joseph Smith taught, come sit down, bring all your wives and sit down and I'm going to talk to you about. <laughs> Amen. Talk to you about Mormonism. Amen. And would love to do the same thing about Islam because uh, I've studied the Quran. No, no scholar by any stretch, but have 
studied it pretty thorough. And uh, anyway, in the Book of Mormon, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, we, we are a nation found on Judeo-Christian values. This is so anti-Christian. Uh, don't get in debates with people over this because it's not worth your time. But at the same time, don't fall into the trap of accepting Mormonism as a branch of Christianity. It's not at all. Muslims are more Christian than, than Mormons are. It is absolutely from the pit of hell. And so I, I set it down on the coffee table, and we got dressed, and we head off to service and got back last night to the room, got up this morning, and we were uh, packing the bag. And uh, the point of this I'm going to make, and maybe help me with this, is uh, grace. So just when I point at you, say grace, and I'll know where I'm going with this. My head feels like it's stuck in a mud bucket right now with these allergies. So um, I opened it up, and we were leaving. My wife says, babe, we need to go. We've got to stop by Target and get your nose spray and your eye drops and Kleenexes. And, uh, and I'm serious because I, like, used all the clean. I, I, I have probably wiped out a quarter of the world's rainforest and tissues this last few days. And, and so uh, she goes, babe, you know, we've got to stop by that. And, then, and of course, you know, she's got to get her Starbucks, so we've got to tack on that time but thank god target's got starbucks in it so <clears throat> we're walking out and she said we need to go and and i just and i'm walking out look at that book of mormon i grabbed that book of mormon i said you got a pen and she said yeah i said well let me see your pen and so i got her pen out uh brother Abram and i wrote in here do not be deceived by this book do not read this book. If you are looking for the answers, find a Bible. And I put down our, our church. I put down First Church. Uh, I looked it up, so I had it right. Dot CC. And uh, dot app, yeah. And I said, um, but if you want to know how to be saved, you need to go to Ephesians. And I wrote down Ephesians. And I wrote down Acts 2.38, John 3.16. wrote all that. I said, this book, this book, and I mean, I wrote the whole deal. My wife's like, babe, we got to go. I said, look, I don't know why I feel like I need to write this. Maybe it's the allergies and I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> but somebody at the Fairfield Marriott, room 219, is going to open that book one day and see, and I wrote a little summary of why this book is a lie. Because if you go to the book of 2 Nephi, chapter 23, verse number 25, it says, after doing all you have done by works, then by grace are you saved. That is one of the most damning statements against God's grace. Because what they teach is, you are saved by works. So I wrote in Ephesians, and I wrote the scripture, it says, for we are not saved by, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Now I'm saying that to say this, it's by the, of God, that we have an inheritance in the testament of God. We don't get it by works. We don't get it by going on a two-year mission. We don't get it by marrying a bunch of Mormon women 
and having a bunch of Mormon babies. And until 1979, you had to be white-skinned. This is the thing that shocks me too. So why do, why do, why do non-whites even think about being Mormon? They had to, God changed his mind in 1979. Until then, you couldn't even be in the temple if you were anything but white. Man, God really came along late on this whole, you know, treating people equally thing. Well, that, for that matter, you know, Islam's the same thing. Amen. So it's God's grace that we have access to the inheritance of God. Now, that may sound like an allergy-ridden rant, but I'm going somewhere with this. It's by the grace of God, not that we could earn to get the inheritance. It's by God's good grace, and it's by his pleasure that we have access to the inheritance that God has given us. Now, last week I talked about um, I talked about two particular young men. Matter of fact, I spent two weeks on. Here's another quiz. Uh, two Tuesday nights ago, I talked about a very uh, famous story with redemption. Uh, does anybody know who I'm talking about? It was a young man. It's we call him the blank son. The prodigal, that was a softball, all right? Everybody say the prodigal son. You give yourselves a hand, you pass that one. There we go. Now I'm going to take the training wheels off. Last week, I talked about another young man, and it dealt with inheritance. He doesn't have a name, but who did I talk about last week? The rich young ruler who said, Master, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. His fallacy was that he had to do something to be able to earn it. Now, let me stop here and say that you, you've got to understand, we need to repent of our sins. We, we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we do that out of obedience. We don't earn salvation. It's already been purchased and is available to those that obey. This is the fallacy of people arguing that you don't have to do anything to be saved. You're already saved. And uh, you, you bring your flippers and scuba gear? Go a little bit. Are y'all still decompressing from last week? Y'all didn't get the bins, did you? Go home and Google that. That's what happens when you scuba dive real deep and come up too quick. Um, the, one of the fallacy, the, the fallacy is these people that say, well, salvation is all, you know, it's already, I remember in 2003, uh, one of my favorite singers, uh, in, in gospel music is, was, uh, Carlton Pearson and he got caught up, uh, and unfortunately is, is, is become an apostate. He turned and, and to, he believes now that everybody's saved, even the devil is saved. And matter of fact, you're saved whether you want to be saved or not. And they use the scripture, I believe, where Paul said, uh, by one man's disobedience did sin enter the world. Therefore, by one man's obedience did salvation come into the world. And he took that to mean that whether you, 
we couldn't help but Adam and Eve sin. So we're all sinners. And so he took it to say that because Jesus Christ came out of an act of obedience, broke the curse of disobedience in the same way you can't help but be born a sinner, now you can't help but be saved by the act of, of God's grace. Now, anybody that knew Carlton Pearson knew he was straying from his apostolic Pentecostal roots years earlier when he had backed off on the essentiality of baptism. And then began to preach, well, well baptism is, is nothing more than just a statement of faith. Well, a lot of people, a lot of churches teach that, that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Baptism is just a, a statement of faith. It's just showing people that you're a believer and a follower of Christ and has no bearing on salvation. Well, the Bible has a big problem with that doctrine because Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. The apostles, every time somebody would come to salvation, they would baptize them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't know why I'm on this little rabbit trail right now, but I want, to, I want you to be affirmed, amen, that when we were baptized in the name of Jesus, that's how we got the name of Jesus on our life. That's how we became a joint heir with Christ. We took on his name. Amen. And so uh, uh, it, it's more than that. So salvation, and the reason I'm saying this is because you cannot earn your way in, but you have to be obedient. We're not saved by works, we're saved by obedience, which is through faith, amen. And so uh, that, that's why we don't teach repeating the sinner's prayer. For, for one, it's not here. If it's not here, we're not going to teach it. Um, I can show you that it actually came around about 19, excuse me, it came in around 18 mid-1860s is the first time you ever see or hear of a sinner's prayer um, coming together. And so they, it removed any, any obedience. It's like we just repeat this prayer. Well, we are obedient unto him to join the family of God by being born again of the water and of the spirit and then living a life of godliness and righteousness unto the Lord. Amen. I, I know this is old-fashioned to say, um, but maybe I'll just stop using that term, just say it's bible fashion to say, that once we're saved, once we, once we are born again of the water and the Spirit, it doesn't stop there. Now we need a relationship with Christ. We've got we've to go on. The Bible says go on unto perfection, not laying, again, the foundations of dead works. Amen. But, but moving on unto perfection. So we are moving on unto perfection. Perfection. I remember the old timers used to intercede and they'd pray and, and scream and holler. And I mean, I'm talking about real intercessory prayer. And it didn't happen for 15 minutes. It would go on for hours, uh, the old saints of God. And they would say things like, like God's perfecting us. They'd say things like God's purging us. And I remember sometimes sent back and God, don't perfect me. I mean, they'd be bent over at the waist. For two or three hours, they'd be in that prayer room and just calling out on God. My grandma would do that. She would weep and intercede and call on God and, and, and tears and, and, and spit and snot. It was gruesome. But they, and, and, and she would say, God's perfecting me. He's, he's purging me. Amen. And so we're going on unto perfection, being led 
by the Spirit of God that brings us into the family of God, that brings us into the fellowship or the communion with God. Amen. I know I haven't raised my voice yet, but I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. And it brings us into fellowship and into communion with God. We who were, as I said last week, we were aliens. And Christ took and bridged the gap between God and us. And he brought us into unity with God, which is Christ. I, I think everybody knows that, right? So, it, you know, sometimes I'll say things like, like Christ brought us into unity with the Father. You know, people start going, oh, that sounds a little Trinitarian. No, it's Bible. Because you're shook up on it don't mean God shook up on it. Sometimes we miss the beauty of the relationship we have with God as our Father because we're afraid to, to quote what Paul said. He brought us into fellowship. It doesn't mean two different persons. It means one God. We were brought unto that holy God, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus Christ. We were brought to this holy God through the medium, through the high priest that is Christ Jesus, through the manifestation of God in the flesh, he bridged the gap between sinful, falling, cursed, damned man and he pulled us into communion with God and those of us that were alien and cut off and we were foreigners and we had no rights and, and we had no connection to God. Amen. All of a sudden through the person of Jesus Christ, he brings us into communion and to fellowship so much so that he says not only is he your God but he is your father and you are his child. And because he is your father, amen, he is going to bring you into a relationship with God, amen, and you will become his child, amen. Jesus said, the Bible said that, that we are heirs, and everybody say it with me, joint heirs with Christ, amen. Now, let, let me say this, and I'm going to touch two scriptures, and then we're going we're gonna to try to wrap this up. Um. John 14, Jesus said uh, in John 14, he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, uh, believe also in me. Uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. If you'll get John 14 for me, and I think let's start at verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. Yeah, uh, uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare your place, verse number 3. That, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, that, now the word there is italicized, which means the translators placed it there for continuity of thought or clarity. It literally reads that where I am, ye may be also, or there you may be also. So just hold that right there. Now you've heard me say this before. Now this is not salvific bearing, um, uh, so you've heard me say this before, and you can believe different if you want. That's fine, because uh, this has nothing to do with being whether you're saved or not. Uh, I grew up my whole life thinking that that uh, let, let me make it sense by make it sense by make it make sense by going uh, back to verse two. He said, "In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you." Now I grew up thinking that 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 God was up in heaven building building houses for us. 
And I, love, I still love Dottie Rambo's song, Build My Mansion Next Door to Jesus. But that's not what that's talking about. As a, as a matter of fact, there's no reputable scholar that believes that because the word mansions there does not mean house. It means abode, spiritual abode. So I remember them preaching, you know, if, if God could create the earth in, in six days, What's, how beautiful is heaven going to be? He's had 2,000 years to be up there building. <laughs> don't, don't, let, don't let theology wreck a good, you know, a good thought. <laughs> but that's not what it means. Um, right? Um, I always, matter of fact, they would, Sunday school teacher, and bless her heart, she, she meant well, but she would say, now, when you get baptized and you get the Holy Ghost, Jesus starts drawing blueprints for your mansion. And it's going to be whatever, the, whatever you dream of. And I'm thinking, wow, I got big dreams. So when you get the Holy Ghost, she said, an angel gets a piece of gets a piece of wood and writes your name in gold and they put it over the door of your mansion. I thought, man, that's cool. And I, will, I would often wonder, do they write it like cursive, like the Dodgers, because I like the Dodgers? Or is, it, or, is it, or is it blocked letters like the Rangers, because I like the way they, because those are my two teams. And I can just see my name, Brother Alonzo, just flashing in gold over this mansion. That had a water slide to a toilet. <laughs> a diving board at the end of the dining table to go head first into the gravy boat. Amen. A floaty made of bacon. Right. Because I mean, right, it was to and and so so just bear with me a minute. Now now if you believe this, you go right ahead, you hold on to that. That, that's fine, because this is not a heaven or hell issue. But I have questions like, you know, if we're going to be an eternal being made like Christ after the resurrection, we're never going to get tired. Why do I need a bedroom? And if there's no bad weather, why do I need a roof? If there is, you know, you, you get my drift, right? Um. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He said, I go to prepare you a place, verse 3. He said that, uh, uh, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again to you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He was not talking about heaven. He was talking about relationship. He said, I go to prepare you a place. Where did he have to go to prepare this place of relationship? He had to go to Calvary. He had to go to Calvary. He had to go defeat death, hell, and the grave. He said, I'm going to go prepare, uh, give me uh, verse 4, and, and whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, oh, Thomas, you know, we, we, we call him Doubting Thomas. or You know, he comes across as a goof. But you know, he was being goaded into this next question in verse 5. They were, somebody was, you know they were jabbing him, like, come on, you won't do it. Ask him. So Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and, and 
How can we know the way? And, and let me break this down. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, then how do we, how do we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Stop right there. Jesus said, I, I hope I will tie all of this in to before this is over tonight. You go, oh, that's what he meant about the will of God. The way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto what or to whom? The Father. But by me, we could not approach the Father. He was too holy. He is too holy. Was. He's still God. So Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare you a place that where I am, you may be also. Where was Jesus? He said, He's about to tell you, I'm in the Father. And the Father's in me. So I'm going to go prepare you a place that where I am, you can be there too. You can be one with the Father as I am one with the Father. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he's talking about relationship. He said, if ye had known me, poor Thomas, man, he gets it all the time. If ye had known me, you should have known my father also. And from hence, you know him and have seen him. Now, Thomas goes from being doofus, and now Philip steps up. And Philip's brains are like scrambled eggs at this point. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, <laughs> Satisfy us and show us who the Father is. And Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus just looked at him. Listen, let's put the, let's take the numbers off the verses. This is a continuity of thought. Jesus didn't say, um, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Stop. Next verse. Da, 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 da. Stop. Next verse. It's a continuity of thought. He is flowing in thought in revelation. He says, I'm going to go prepare a place that where I am. See, the problem is, he said, I go to prepare a place. The place wasn't away from where he was. The preparations had to be made where, away from where he was. I'm going to prepare you a place that where I am, you may be also. But Jesus, where are you going to go? And how are we going to find the way? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No man comes unto the Father except but by me. And, and you've only heard of the Father in the past, but now, now you know the Father and you even see him. Philip said, well, show us the Father. Jesus said, I've been with you all this time. When you see me, you have seen the Father. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring you to the place where I am that you get in God and God gets in you to where you come in unity and you come into fellowship and you come into, here's the buzzword, you come into oneness with God. Hallelujah. Go, go, go to verse number 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? So where's Jesus trying to make this place? In the Father. 
bringing you into union, bringing you into fellowship. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the work. Believe in me, uh, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for uh, the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, uh, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do. We're talking about the will of God, right? We're talking about the living will and testament. Jesus is trying to teach us as adopted heirs, those of us that are joint heirs with Christ. He's saying that this blessing, this inheritance that you have is more than just talking in tongues and looking different. The inheritance you have is more, albeit it would be enough. Everlasting life would be enough. But it's even more than everlasting life. It is power on earth. It is dominion on earth. It is authority on earth. And anything you ask in my name, he said, will I do it? But I'm not going to do it, amen, until you get a revelation of who you are in unity, in communion with God. You've got to understand, I am not just a little Pentecostal. I am not somebody that just goes to church two or three times a week. I am a chosen child of the Most High God. I have power both with God and with man. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. When you start understanding this, you understand that you are, you're not a pawn. You're not just a, a, a spot on the chair that comes to church every, uh, every week. No, you are more than that. You are the beloved of God. You are the child. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. He's saying, boys, listen to me. Do you see the authority I walk in? I'm going to prepare you a place that you can walk in that same power you can walk in that same authority you can walk in that same boldness you can do the same matter of fact not only will you be able to do the same things I do but greater works than these shall you do it's part of the will that's what he's teaching them about he wasn't teaching them about mansions in heaven and 25 Bedroom palatial mansions. Not talking about a Taj Mahal floating in the sky. He's talking about here on earth. Having connection with God. Then he turns and says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. He said, I'm going to send you a, com I'm gonna send you a comforter. Now, now, how many know who the comforter is? Jesus, you, you passed that test too, amen. I may hand out diplomas before this is all over with. The comforter is Jesus, right? But it's the comforter, it's the leader, it's the counselor. Boy, we used to sing the old song, he's a great consolator, he's consolated. He is your counselor. Counselor is a legal term. It's an attorney. It's an advisor. You know, a good attorney can get you out of most situations. If you learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Don't snatch 
defeat out of the jaws of victory. So you got to let the counselor, matter of fact, when you're in court, I've been in court, I've not like been the defendant or even a plaintiff, but, but I've seen it plenty of times. Unless the judge addresses the client, the client's not even allowed to talk to the judge. You have to go through the attorney. How many's ever had an attorney before in court? Right? You have to. T- you have to tell the attorney. Hey, tell the judge. And the judge will look at look at your look at your counselor and say, counselor, how, how do they plead? Guilty or not guilty? And then the counselor will say it, or maybe let you say. It. Here's what Jesus said. You, you go look. To, go study that. He said, I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to be your wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'm going to send you a comfort. I'm going to send you a legal advisor. Mm, hallelujah. I'm going to send you a legal counselor. I'm going to send you an advisor. I'm going to send you the one who's going to give you the power to interpret the will. Not only to interpret, but to get it. Amen. Let me, let me wrap this up. Let me start turning back to where I want to end up at. So he says, where I am, you may be also. So I'm sending back another comforter. Then he says, I'll send it back in my name. Matter of fact, uh, 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 Judas said unto him in verse 22, uh, he said, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? I mean, they got, folks, they got some questions here. I'd, I'd be in the back of the room. I'd end up too. And all of these things he's talking to, he is talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just your goosebump machine on the back of your neck. It's not just your tingly senses. And it's not just your talking tongues activation kit. It is that which will lead you. And guide you, in the Bible said, into all truth. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It leads us. It guides us into all truth. It is Christ in us. Amen. Verse 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Let me just pause. And can I just go ahead and squirt this little bug over here real fast? Let me just, back home, they say, I won't squirt it. Let me squirt it real good. Well, how do we know the Bible's accurate when they wrote it? How do we know the Gospels are accurate? They were written 30 years after the crucifixion. Well, here's why. Because they had the Holy Ghost. Well, logically, I can't remember things that happened 30 years ago. Yeah, because you don't have the Holy Ghost. He said the Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said to you. And Sister Guadalupe, when they sat down with parchment and pen and started writing, the Holy Ghost quickened every word. Jesus said to them. Matter of fact, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls some time back, 
they thought the, the scientists come out, the, the educational community come out and say, oh, we're going to finally be able to disprove all. Nope. Nope. Why? Because the Holy Ghost. Hey, listen, if you read your word, the Holy Ghost will quicken it in you. How, how many has ever, how many has ever been sharing the word of God with somebody, or maybe a testimony, and, and all of a sudden God quickened a scripture to you? Has, has that ever happened to you? Or maybe you were just praying, all of a sudden you were in a situation, all of a sudden a scripture or a part of scripture was quickened you, and you started praying it, and you're like, or saying it, and you're like, man, I didn't even know I knew that. Man, I'm bad to the bone. I am a sword-wheeling, devil-dealing, tongue-talking. Right? Well, wait, because you're, we're smart. It's because we have the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he will quicken whatsoever I have said to you. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Man, I hope this gets y'all as jacked up as this gets me. So why wouldn't you read this? So well, God never speaks to me. Because you're not reading it. Everybody wants a word. I need a word from God. Man, we got, well, it's not here. I'm just saying. You, you need to watch out for people that just always, always chasing a word. Yeah. I, I see some people. <laughs> Amen. Blame it on the Zyrtec. Amen. Elder Moreno, I said, but I see people on social media. I don't know how they have time to watch all these videos. They're always sharing this preaching and this preaching. I say, how do you get anything done? Now, I'm not against listening to preaching. I think it's a good listening to the right stuff. I mean, it's the bread of life. But make sure you're listening to the bread. Of, you know, don't, don't eat the stuff with mold on it. Because they're always chasing a word. I, I was talking with somebody recently, and I, I promise I'm almost done. I was talking with somebody recently, and uh, they, 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 uh, they're, they're really zealous. And, you know, bless their heart. They're, they're on fire for it, and that's great. But how many times have you heard me emphasize with all that getting, get understanding? And so they got like five or six favorite preachers they listen to every day. And they got their books and their how-tos. And, 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 and they were saying, but how do I get to that next level? I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm doing everything I'm being told. And, and what, you know, the preacher says in my church. And I'm listening to this guy's podcast. And this guy's preaching. And I got this one's book. And I'm trying to do it. And I went, if you accomplish all of that, your spirit would jump up out of your body and fly to heaven. Because we, we, we got word junkies. The word junkies. They're, just, they're running around trying to get a high. Like, get, get. You know what I've often found out? They're doing that because between the words they're getting, they can't, they can't abstain from temptation. You, you put them 45 minutes outside of a podcast or a church service, they fall right back into sin. They only have the power to live on it at the moment. They don't got time to live it. 
between the moments. See, the problem is they're, they're infatuated, but they're not dedicated. And they don't understand the power that lies in this. Because right in the midst, Sister Priscilla, of Jesus saying, you're going to have the comforter. And you're, you, I, matter of fact, Jesus said it. He kept saying this. He said, I am in you. Or, or he said, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Then he flips it. This is good soteriology. You know what soteriology is? Not yet. Study of the Holy Ghost. You're so far ahead of the class now. This is good. Look at somebody say soteriology. There you go. So you get some soteriology tonight. Jesus kept saying, I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. We are one. Then he says, then he says, but I shall be in you and you shall be in me. And then right in the midst of all, I believe it's verse 14 says, and if you love me, you'll, you'll, you'll obey my commandments. In other words, I, I don't care how many demons you cast out. You can walk into a funeral home and empty caskets out. It's irrelevant. Your love for me is based on our obedience to the words. Amen. Is this too simple? This, it's our obedience to the word. If 15, I missed it by one. Thank you for pointing it out. If you love me, keep my... It's pretty simple. You love me, keep my commandments. You love me, keep my commandments. That's like one spouse cheating on the other and then habitually doing it. But I love you. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you love them, you won't. Is that, is that, is that just profound or what? Hey, Amen. I love you. I, 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 you know, deal with the situations where there's a, you know, unfortunately it's tragic when there's, you know, there's abuse in the marriage. And, and more times than not, it's the abuser. That's always it. I do it because I love you. Yeah, don't love me. Please hate me with everything you have. Right? Jesus said, it's real simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's that simple. And if you'll keep my commandments, I will abide in you. And you're going to abide in me. And that's how you have fellowship and communion, divine fellowship and communion with the Father. Because when you're in me, you're in the Father. Amen. Let's wrap this up. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22. Proverbs 13 and 22. All right. Now we're talking about our relationship with God, our inheritance, right? Let's see what, he, let's see what Solomon, the wisest man, says. 13 and 22. He says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children. A good, the word good there in Hebrew is actually interchangeable with righteous. A righteous man leaveth an inheritance to his children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just or, or, or for the justified, the chosen of God. I want you to focus in on that first phrase. A good man leaveth 
an inheritance to his children's children. Because God is, said this last week, he is interested in the blessing being propagated. All right? Now, what does this remind me of? What, when it says a good man, man, leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. There, there, there is something Jesus talks about in the New Testament in Matthew 7. If you'll get me Matthew chapter 7. And let's, let's start out at verse number 7. 7 and 7. Wow, look at that for all the numerologists out there. Matthew 7 and 7. I'll jump ahead of you. It says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and what? You shall find. Knock and it shall be. Can I just stop right there and say, if you're praying, these things are happening. If you're praying and you're asking and there's no answering, you're seeking and you're not finding. You ever try to play hide and go seek with yourself? I highly recommend it. Try to play hide and go seek with yourself or go chase your shadow. It's a good workout. Let me know if you catch it. If you're asking and it's not being given, if you are not, if you're uh, knocking and it's not being opened, if you're seeking and you're not finding, then we need to back up and reevaluate. Because Matthew 7 and 7, it is emphatic. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Give me verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Verse number 9, or what man is there of you whom if his son asked bread will give him a stone? Boy, doesn't this sound like Proverbs 13, 22? For a good man, what? Leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Go to verse number, uh, uh, verse number 10 there. Or if he asks a fish, would he give him a serpent? This guy must knew my dad. Uh, verse number 11, just this joke. If then ye being evil, I have tried to get around that word evil, uh, Sister Nickel, because certainly he didn't mean evil. And I, I have studied that. I have, and like surely what this must be a Greek, you know, word in the Greek that's a play on something that mean evil. But, but it means evil. If ye then being evil, which means of, of ill repute or of a ungodlike nature or of an ungodlike character rather. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. The word gifts there is speaking of inheritance. If you who are evil know how to give a good inheritance to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that ask, to them that ask him? Oh, hallelujah. Give me verse 12. 
Praise God. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I close, amen, with this as much as I can close. Amen. I feel revelation in this place. Solomon said that a righteous man or a good man will make sure that there is an inheritance laid up for his children and his children's children. Jesus said, which one of you would, if your son was, or your child was hungry, wouldn't you give them bread? If they were hungry, wouldn't you give them fish? You wouldn't, you wouldn't play the old bait and switch. You wouldn't hand them a loaf of bread and then when they grab it, put a stone in their hand. Then Jesus said, if you be an evil, if you that do not have the character of God, amen. If you that don't have uh, God's nature in your life right now, if you that are evil know how to give what? A good inheritance to your children. Then Jesus asked a question. He said, how much more shall your father, put verse 11 up there, how much more shall your father, how much more shall your father. I want somebody to know tonight that your father is interested in giving you a good inheritance. He is interested in giving you a good inheritance. Amen. I, I want us to I want us to start, amen, not just hearing this but believing this. Amen. You are not the cast aside from God but you are the child of God. You have God's amazing grace in your life. You have been bestowed upon by God the inheritance, the will and testament of his purpose for your life. Amen. Quit equating the way your earthly father is to the way that God is. Because what Jesus was saying was as best as your earthly father could be still pales in comparison to how great that your heavenly father is. Your earthly father may have been a loser. He may have been a jerk. He may have been absent. And he may have been an abuser. He may have been great. He may have been a provider. He may have loved you and your family. Amen. But when it's in comparison to the love of God, nothing can hold a candle to the inheritance that God has for his people and his children. I want to encourage somebody tonight. Get in your word. Amen. Get in the word of God. Get in the inheritance. Get into the legal binding document of the promise of God for your life. Are you hungry? Amen. Ask of him. He will give you bread. Are you thirsty? Ask of him and he will give you water. Do you lack? Ask of him and he will give you knowledge and wisdom. Are you weak? Ask of him and he will give you strength. Are you lonely? Ask of him and he will give you companionship for whatever it is in your life that you lack. I've come to tell you as simple as it may sound amen. This is the answer to everything that you are facing right now. He is your constant companion. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the one that heals you. He is the one that blesses you. He is the one that lifts you. He is the one that strengthens you and it's all found right here. Amen. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. It's all found right here. Oh, I, I want to know his word more and more and more. I, I, I want his word. 
I want to know this will and this testament. Listen, I hope you got something out of this. I hope it's uh, uh, not too, rem- uh, too basic or too simple or, or, or even, even too out there for you. I-, I want you to get this in your life. I want you to get this in your spirit. Amen. I've got to know Jesus more than I've ever known him before. And I've got to know him through his word. And I've got to know him through prayer. Yes, I need to know him through worship. Yes, I need to know him through the fellowship of the saints of God at church. Amen. But I've got to know him for myself. I've got to get in this book. I have got to die. Well, pastor, where do I start? Open the book, put your finger down and go. There's power in this. Jesus said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You're not not being destroyed because temptation's strong. We're being destroyed because we don't know the power of this. Jesus but moved the curtain back for a moment in John 14. And he said, just as I am in fellowship with the Father, I'm going to be in fellowship with you. And we like to we always quote that about the Holy Ghost. Great works have I done, but greater than these shall you. Woo! We start screaming and bucking and snorting and shouting and tongue talking and owl running and back slapping and head palming and high fiving. And that's all great. But it wasn't based on just a moment of euphoria in an altar. It was based on the knowledge of his word. And if you love me. Keep my commandments. But what if I forget? Good news. He said the Holy Ghost will bring back every word he's ever spoken to you. Amen. Would you stay with me? Now, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Amen. Amen. I know you're in your, your, your at least I pray at a minimal, you're in your daily devotional. Amen. Brother... Garson, I'm not just saying this for for um, his pity's sake, Amen. But if it helps you read your Bible, please pity. He put in so put in a lot of work into that app. Uh, you you can chart your your daily Bible reading, but 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 even more than that, pick up a pen and a notebook while you read. Let God speak to you. you, you when, when you get a few minutes alone on your break, just pick up the Bible, open it up, and start reading. I had somebody last week ask me. Uh, uh, said, Pastor, how, how do I get Bible studies? I, I, I want to I get Bible studies. I want to do it, but I, you know, I, I, I'm not working on my job right now or I'm, I'm on disability or whatever. And I said, can you, can you spare like $10 a week? He's like, yeah, what do I do? So it's real simple. Pick two days out of the week, and I mean two days. Be faithful as clockwork. Be, be on it. Don't miss it. Be on it like tax day. Be there. I said, go to McDonald's, or Starbucks, or Pete's Coffee, one of the places. McDonald's is great because they can't kick you out because there's no server that needs the table. Get you a cup of coffee and a, and a McGriddle, hallelujah. And <laughs> set, that, set that Bible down. Open it up on that table. Open up a place prepared for you, which is our 20-minute Bible study. It, I can can start quoting that thing right now. I've taught it so many times. It's wonderful. I said, open it and read it every day. That you go. He said, that's how you get a Bible? I said, hey, how many are you getting sitting at home? Well, you got a point, Pastor. I said, yeah. 
I said, because eventually, I've had it happen to me, eventually somebody will walk by and say, hey, that's a good book. He said, what if somebody comes by and they got something to say bad about it? I said, listen to them. Or don't. Just have a good attitude. But eventually, somebody's going to walk up to you and say, hey, that's a good book. What, what are you reading about? And I said, just respond like this. You know, I've got this Bible study here. And um, just trying to get to know God more through his word. You want to go through this with me? What's the worst thing they can say? No. And I said, it's probably going to be about $4.30-something cents. Don't ask me how I know. For a cup of coffee and a McGriddle. I remember when that was two bucks. And just be faithful. Because those employees are going to notice you. And I said, don't get mad when it don't happen the first week. Don't get frustrated when it don't happen week three. But eventually they're going to say, man, comes in here and he opens his Bible. And, he, and I said, set for one hour. Set, do not get up for an hour. Sit there and read your Bible. Take out a yellow legal pad and a pen. Write notes. I said, it may take a year. It may take a few weeks. I don't know. But eventually somebody's going to ask. And when they do, you've already got the will and testament set right there. I am a firm believer that we will have more Bible studies going when we're confident in our knowledge of God's Word. Most people are so afraid somebody's going to ask a question. I was teaching a Bible study last week. I'm going to get into it. No, it went last week, a few weeks ago. Man, they got off into UFOs and everything. You think I'm afraid of that stuff? So what, what do you think about aliens? So I don't know. But I'll tell you what, we're going to baptize them little gray and green boogers in Jesus' name. If they're real. Imagine what kind of missions work we can do in a flying saucer. Amen. I was teaching Bible study one time. This guy kept telling me that, you know, present everybody was reptilian ways or whatever. He showed me pictures. He said, he said, he has long braid ponytail. He said, he said, I'm and he goes, I'm full blood Native American when I say with tribe. He said, I could tell you. he kept showing me this deal with uh, President Obama speaking. He said, look his eyes, he's a he's a he's a, he's a lizard. So what do you think about that? I said, man, he speaks really good English for a lizard. But but um, John 3 3 says, Except a man be born again of the water and the spirit. I don't care if he's got scales or skin. I'm telling you, teaching that Bible study is like trying to nail jello to a tree. There's a few times I wanted to get up and walk out. Because I'm going to tell you, it was, it was getting a little kooky. 20 minute Bible study took two hours. They kept talking about this and the Illuminati and you know, whatever. That's funny. Well, I finally got around to, to finally got through that Bible study. And I said, are you, are you ready to obey the plan of salvation? And all of a sudden, he looked at me anyway. Well, yeah. Didn't the Bible say I need to be baptized in Jesus? His whole family's sitting on the couch. And I, said, yeah. I said, so you want to be baptized? He said, yeah. 
He said, hey, you know what? What are you doing right now, preacher? Teaching you a Bible study and listening about lizard people. His wife's over there crying. Two of his teenage kids are crying. He said, can we get baptized right now? I said, absolutely. I need to check with the Illuminati first. No, I'm just kidding. I said, absolutely. We, we took him down to church, baptized him and his whole family in Jesus' name. They all received the Holy Ghost. A few months later, they moved to Arizona. Last I heard a couple years ago, he was in a church on, the, on, on one of the reservations there, helping out one of the churches. What I'm trying to say is this. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Get it in your heart. Because when you get God's word in you, you're going to want to share it with people. Amen. Would you come to the front for just a moment? Amen. I, 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 I've got a deal next week. I'm, I want to talk to you about the Lord willing. They did a, um, they did a study on Bible active people in the church that actively read their Bible. And I'm going to talk about that next week. I don't know when this series is going to end. I'm, I'm in, I am enjoying what God is doing. I've had some of y'all text me and say, God is speaking to me through his word like I have never in my life. I've never, I am seeing things in God's word that I've never seen before. It's amazing what you get from God when you don't have to do something, but you get to do something because you love to do it. Amen. I'm hoping you're getting a passion for reading the word of God and obeying the word of God. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you, God, for the strength and the peace and the hope and the joy and the comfort and the promise and the guidance. Lord, I thank you for the beauty of your word. I thank you, Lord, that I am a part of this incredible family, this incredible family that you have brought us into from every walk of life, from every, from every race, from every family background, from every socioeconomic background. You have brought us together to make a people for your name's sake. Lord, I thank you that your word is life. And we are a people that are united around that word of life. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is instigating within us a desire. It is provoking within us a desire to know you more through your word. Lord, I thank you that we know you through the dance and we know you through the shout. I'm so thankful that we know you through singing and we know you through corporate worship. But God, I am so grateful tonight, Lord, that there are people that are awakening right now and they're falling in love with your word and they're falling in love with prayer for the first time in their life or for the first time in a long time. God, I'm praying over this awesome assembly right now. Lord, I'm praying that you would strengthen them. God, tonight when they go home and read their Bible, when they open up that book in the morning, God, speak to them clearly and fresh. Oh, God, I rebuke the distractions that would come into their life. I rebuke the hindrances that would come into their life. I rebuke right now the excuses that try to well up in their life. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you are a liar and the father of them. We're not going to invest.
invest in your excuses. We're not going to invest in your lies. You're not going to disqualify me from my prayer time and from my devotion. I rebuke in the name of Jesus any condemnation that would come upon anybody that feels they're not good enough or, or that God is rejecting their attempts because they haven't been good enough. I pray the grace of Almighty God sweep over you fresh right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would awaken and ignite within us like never before that desire, that passion, oh Lord, to be committed and consecrated and dedicated and sold out completely to your word. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing, Lord, not by my own strength, but by your strength. I speak joy and peace and life, not through my own authority, but the authority through which you've given us in your living will and testament in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I believe what your word said. You said great works that you have done, but greater than these shall you do. Lord, I believe in this Thursday night at prayer. God, we're going to gather in this building and heaven is going to open up in that prayer meeting and lives are going to be changed. Lord, I'm believing that based upon the authority of your word and the promise, oh God, that you're going to place before us an open door this week, oh God. Help me be aware. Help me, oh God, to be perceptive of that open door to share the gospel with somebody. And Lord, I'm going to stand on faith that if I'll read your word and study your word and pray your word, that when I open my mouth, the Holy Ghost is going to quicken me and your words are going to come to my mind and I'm going to speak that which is the word of life. I pray right now, Lord, for every co-worker that is connected to people in this room right now. I pray for every family member that's lost, that's connected to people in this room right now. I pray for neighbors and acquaintances and relationships. Oh God, for you are drawing us in that dimension. Oh God, you are calling us above the level of churchism. You are calling us above the level of just going through the motion. But you are calling First Church Woodland, oh Lord, into that dimension of harvest and reaping, oh God. Lord, I pray that Bible studies will be taught this week in Jesus' name. Lord, I can't wait to hear the reports by faith this Sunday that the Bible studies were taught all across this city and all across this county. God, help us to be perceptive and aware, oh Lord, of those open doors and opportunities to bring somebody with us to the house of God this Sunday. Lord, we claim it. We speak it right now. Lord, I, I speak it. There's going to be a guest with me this Sunday. I believe, Lord, you're going to open the right door to speak to the right person, Lord. Maybe call that family member I haven't called in a while. Maybe invite that neighbor I haven't invited in a while. But I believe this Sunday there's once again going to be new guests and new visitors in this house. And Lord, I believe you're going to fill them with your spirit. I believe they're going to come to an altar of repentance in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe the Lord's going to do that? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. 
And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.